You are listening to Historically, a show where we decolonize history and debunk myths and misinformation taught to you in school and on corporate media. And now part two of our discussion of Operation Gladio. This week we have Alexander the May from the Discourse podcast which is uh he has a daily stream he has a pot they have a bot podcast where they talk about the latest issues quick recap after world war ii the communists became super popular the powers that be wanted to stay behind network to like reactivate in order to stop europe from going communist and we talked about how the Vatican was involved and there were rat lines. We're to this part, we're going to talk about the special Operation Gladio, which was they called the Years of Lead, L-E-A-D, Lead. Uh, that was the main operation because the communists were super popular because they victimized Mussolini. And it ha- Italy has a really strong left-wing culture. So they had to do something to stop uh, that from happening. Because um, what was different about Italy from Germany was that Italy actually overthrew Mussolini and switched sides halfway through the war. Mm-hmm. It's always, it's always, I've got two things to say before we get into the main show, right? One thing on that topic is Italy is always seen as like a bit of a laughing stock for switching sides, isn't it? In a weird way, like as if it's funny. Why would that be funny? They like they like ditched the fascists and switched to the. It shows that the Italian people never is supported that like them. That's, is that like yeah. exclusively like a, a British thing? Because I, I know exactly what you're talking about, Pram. But like it does, it, it sounds extremely strange to <laughs> to me now thinking about it. The concept of considering the the Italians to be like pathetic or like um, I don't know, like. You know, like we, we joke about. They are, though, isn't it? It's seen as if they're pathetic. pathetic no, right that's not Same in the US. Like I mean, awesome. I grew up. They overthrew Mussolini and victimized him. Like, that was. It. And they didn't yep. have any help from the West either. They just did it all by themselves. Yeah, yeah. And but for me, growing up. Gone, you're gone. Well, I was going to say, for me growing up in the U.S., the, the story that we were told was that they were uh, opportunists. They switched sides because they saw they were losing. And in reality, it's like, no, the communist, a communist who was the one who actually shot Mussolini at the firing squad was elevated to a popular member of parliament forever because they were so successful in the resistance of the fascists. Exactly. And that's oh, yeah. exactly the, that's why that's... you have the song, Bella Ciao, Bella Ciao, O Patigian. Like, because... And people were all worshiping the part partisanos partisans because of how awesome they were at like victimizing the fascists. It's one of the uh, it's probably one of the best outcomes of World War Two in terms of like a single nation's uh, input to the war. They were fascist, and the people of that country managed to overthrow uh, overthrow mm-hmm. them. It's like the best outcome. And before we get into the main bit of the show as well, Tom. Just before we started, you said that you uh, revised last week's episode because you weren't here and you had a few things to add. So you've got like five minutes or however long to add them now. So go ahead before and maybe Esh and uh, John can um, answer them for you. Yeah, so um, there's obviously when when the State Behind Networks were were placed, that these were kind of... um, coincided with multiple other CIA operations that were going on at the time. Um, 
obviously concerned with containing the, the red communist countries that already existed, so it like, coincided with the Gladio plans. Um, and within the scope of um, specific Operation Gladio um, parameters where the um, specific funding of over 1,000 terrorist attacks in Xinjiang province orchestrated by um, terrorist cells uh, made up of Uyghurs that had travelled from year? Xinjiang to Afghanistan. Um, now, the, this, the, there is a book, um, quite a famous book, uh, that has been written where a CIA agent actually ex- explains this process and how they did it. Um, and she's basically been subpoenaed for life um, by the US courts now. Um, and she's been told she can't write any more books um, or undertake any more interviews about the subject. So that's interesting. If she was a liar, I don't think they'd be kind of putting that kind of level of, um, you know, silencing kind of restrictions on her. Um, it was one CIA whistleblower. Um, as I say, this book's name is something along the lines of Operation Gladio, um, the, the secret alliance, the unholy alliance between the Vatican, the CIA and something else, the Mafia, I think. It was the Mafia, yeah. Yep. Yes, that's the book's title. Um, and, and in it, it, it goes in specific in, into how um, the majority of the, the terrorism in Xinjiang province, which is the entire thing China is fighting and well has fought um, successfully, um, and the entire reason China has been demonized since 2013, um, 2016, 2013, somewhere around that time, um, is because of um, one of these kind of operations as part of the overwhelming, sorry, o- overarching um, Gladio operation. So it, it it's hilarious how much scope this this shit actually does have. Um, there, there was other ones as well, I believe. A lot of the uh, I could be wrong about this, but I think a lot of the um, Chechen um, mil- militants that were kind of like um, oh, trained but- up. To, uh, uh, oh, I remember that. Had- Anything else, Tom? No, no, that was um, that was it. I mean, if, if anything else comes to me, I'll, I'll mention it. It was just some things, obviously. I was, I was like, I mention that when when I won that. Yeah, and that that was that's interesting because I'd always considered how the the counterinsurgency programs or insurgency counterinsurgency programs that basically kind of had their modern day start with Gladio kind of mutated into things like the Mujahideen and possibly ISIS and other and like what's going on in South and Central America and Indonesia. But I had never considered the ties to the Uyghur acts of uh, the Uyghur separatist acts of terror that were happening inside China. And to know that someone else had already made those ties is actually makes me really want to read that book even more. There's also a fantastic, hold on, there's also a fantastic video that Dan Cohen's done on on this as well, on his channel, behind the headlines. Oh, uh, yeah, I've seen, I'm I'm here to see which one, but one of them. Yeah, it's the one on Xinjiang. Uh, Tom, go on. I believe the exact quote that the CIA agent says is, we are responsible for almost every act of terrorism that took place in Xinjiang between the years of 1991 and 2001, which is... If you look into all of the um, the cases of terrorism in Xinjiang, that was when the vast majority of the uh, the attacks occurred. Um, so that's very on brand for the CIA, obviously. But like, it's just it's just funny to hear them saying it, you know, coming out and openly saying it without any kind of clove or dagger. Like occasionally, when, the when imperialists the, get like, when the well, US um, when the US were involved in the, the occupation of Afghanistan. Uh, back then as well i think they nicknamed afghanistan the university of jihad didn't they because they were training 
fighters. Right, and there were Uyghurs making up portions of the Mujahideen as well. Oh, yeah. That's why we're, we had, he was talking about it was the, the school of jihad that they were pulling from that area in much the same way that there are now like 20,000 Uyghurs in Idlib. Oh, yeah, or more. I, I don't know how many there are, but yes. Um, so, yeah, this 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 operation, this the Operation Gladio provided a blueprint for pretty much all U.S. engagement post-World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're going to get to, I mean, the years were that I, that are super important. And uh, Asha mentioned this, the, the years of lead in Italy like was a, a period of great turmoil from like the 60s until almost the 90s, where just people were just gunned down in the street for political reasons. And there was no rhyme or reason to some of the violence and no one really knew what the hell was going on until it was uncovered about operation gladio and once the like that came there were scholars who talk about like and i've listened to some of them talk about how everything just kind of clicked into place because up until that point it didn't make any sense because during the tumultuous period of the 60s across the world the left was like on the rise and then all of a sudden you had this leftist group like the red brigade which was kind of like the u.s's weathermen but a little bit more effective that was taking direct action against the empire like robbing banks and we're saying like okay hey the the communist party that has been at a 30 percent block more or less in italian politics since 1948 is not really uh working towards liberation anymore and they've capitulated too much so we need to be more radical and then all of a sudden after they start doing that and getting popularity then all of a sudden another group starts coming out and people start coming out of the woodwork just killing all sorts of people and and doing major acts of terror with inside italy and claiming to be affiliated with these leftists and and it just didn't make any sense because it was counter to the goals of the leftists and the red brigade and others who as they stated the goals of the communist party and also just the political opinion of everybody within italy at that time Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes against just the socialist ideas, doesn't it? To act that way. Yeah. Like the very I have a quick question. Like the Red Brigade was robbing banks. That makes sense. Blowing up a train station during a, a worker's commute makes no sense for a group that's supposed to be a communist. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Actually, uh, I interviewed this awesome Danish bank robber on my podcast about a year ago so be sure to check it out that gets us to the entirety of like what's going on with as we're looking at Claudio I mean imagine being Italian who's watching these people come out like making claims for bombing train stations and thinking well that doesn't make any sense but you have no way of verifying it so you're like well is this something that's coming out of the right wing is this Nazis is this the actual communists and trying to make the connections and make the narrative make sense of your own world it's it's only 30 years later that it does because of a a, a, a banking scandal, essentially. Yes. And then you get that information and all of a sudden the pieces start click, a narrative is able to be formed and you start to realize that like, oh, well, shit, the reality that's been constructed for me is a f-ing lie and its purposeful is to protect capital. And so, like, when we're here, we are going through the question in the shining path and wondering, okay, what are we going to dig up about the shining path? What are we going to find out? What's propaganda? What's not? Did they actually boil babies? Did they not? Are they affiliated with the CIA? Are they not? And, you know, it's, it's how do you get the information to verify? And then what do you do with it? And how close can you come to actually knowing what is truth? And by knowing, I mean it in like the, the big grand sense of knowing it. Like you can actually point to either documents or anything else and say, I know this to be true. Mm-hmm. And 
I have oh, okay. I have a different standard for my own self versus what I'm willing to publicly discuss. Like I, of course, I don't know how to. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but there is like my, my instincts seem to be usually right, so I always follow my instincts, and then usually when I follow my instincts, like I always end up finding data to prove my instincts right. A hunch. This is what this is your superpower, Ash. Yeah. No. Mine is Googling and reading carefully. <laughs> yeah, superpower, which is spotting color revolutions, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yes, that's really easy because there's a checklist because it was written in a bloody book by Gene Sharp. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but even so, like, Gene Sharp's another example of like, okay, well, how do you know that Gene Sharp wasn't a goddamn CIA agent or he was, was, you know? Yeah, exactly. But for years and years and years, knowing whether or not Gene Sharp was or wasn't, like I was, it's it's like Manson being tied to the CIA, right? Like, how did you yeah. know? You know, that's that's that kind of thing where it seems really, really f***ing fishy. And then all of a sudden it comes out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The psychologist who is administering him with LSD and Haight-Ashbury was actually CIA and part of MKUltra. Ah, uh, nice. Um convenient oh you know he was just doing that as his side job was he like you know what i mean well it's so i i want to talk about this because of conspiracy theories and but this guy um and you can read about it in the book chaos apparently this journalist took like a 20-year path who was supposed to do like just a weekend anniversary reporting on the manson family and then took a 20-year investigative search and found all these documents from the psychologist who is treating charles manson supposedly treating charles manson for problems but was actually dosing him and teaching him methodologies for brain control uh brainwashing and mind control utilizing lsd that he had learned or he had uh been experimenting with since he was the psychologist who had been the exit interviewee for all of the returning prisoners of war from the korean war who had admitted on television that they had committed war crimes and then when they came back they interviewed with this guy and said oh no 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 they were brainwashed and tortured while they were in prison while they were prisoners of war and this guy had this sterling reputation didn't have any ties anywhere said like oh no no everything everything's above board and then it turns out he shows up in California administering acid to Charles Manson. And then he shows up again as the, the um, oh, what was the committee that was investigating the JFK assassination? Church committee. Nope. Not the church committee. The one that was actually brought together immediately after oh, assassination of JFK. I forgot. Oh, come on. Hold on. Warren, Warren Commission. Commission. Warren Commission, yeah. right. So the Warren Commission has, is set to interview Jack Ruby, and they send this guy in to, to uh, ascertain whether Jack Ruby is fit to testify. And less than two hours after meeting with this psychologist, Jack Ruby is ranting, raving, and foaming at the mouth about how outside of his prison window, they're boiling Jews a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, so uh, this guy's reputation remained steady all the way up until the point where he died and then he was keeping separate books that detailed all his dealings with Dulles all his dealings with MK Ultra all his payments from the CIA and this journalist actually was the one who got got a hit his hands on it and discovered all throughout this this guy was the the one thing that tied all of these operations together oh by the way one more person that is tied into all this is um Theodore Kaczynski, also known as the Unabomber, when he was getting his PhD at Harvard, yep. he just volunteered for some crazy psychological experiment where they injected him with a whole bunch of drugs. 
Yep, through the CIA, MKUltra. But like, here's that example, right? For years and years and years, uh, people would accuse this guy of being CIA, this psychologist, and his his co-workers, his colleagues would all stand up and say, no, 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 no. Then after its death, it's realized, oh yeah, not only is he CIA, but he's been CIA since the 1950s and been involved in some of the worst goddamn conspiracies on the planet. And it's yeah. so like conspiracy himself that he's involved in all these conspiracies as well, doesn't it? That's how they exactly. So here you are, you, you have all this, you're going through this in real time. And in real time, people are accusing him of being an agent and everyone's denying it. So here's this reality being crafted around how none of this is real. You're all con- quote unquote conspiracy theorists. And this is just crazy talk. And then after his death, it's revealed, oh no, there was an actual conspiracy. And this guy was at the center of like three very big ones. Oh, you know, what's really funny. This is totally unrelated. But both the Romanian government and the Soviet government had been claiming for the past, like, um, like from be- from between, like, let's say, 1934 to like now, uh, well, not now, but Russian government now, that Hitler had a descended testicle. And then, uh, guess what? Amazing how, uh, like, everyone thought that was like a silly conspiracy by the communists. But then, guess what? It's all uh, he does. They found an examination from 1924. Where a Nazi doctor confirms that. Nice. So the the the, the song is true. There yeah. you go. Um, the 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 book I'm referring to is called Chaos by Tom O'Neill. If anyone's interested about okay. the that the Charles Manson stuff, I'm, uh, uh, I'm yeah. quite interested in that. I kind of I'm drawn to those sort of stories. They're always fun to well, read about. I just fall uh, into. Oh. So in 48 was the big uh, post-war election where, the, like we talked about, the communists were incredibly powerful and incredibly... Cristo and Contra Cristo and Cristo lost. And the communists were incredibly, incredibly popular. And um, it what this was like one of the first instances of Gladio actually doing something um, in Italy. And what they were doing was they basically had a bunch of mobsters who were brought in for Gladio for various reasons, and, and including like you had Luca Luciano, who was a, was uh, employed by the FBI and others in CIA or OSS during the Hello. war. Famous, as a, famous mafia guy. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Lucky Luciano, he was uh, a famous mafioso who was um, brought in in the US and let out of jail during World War II in order to provide quote unquote security, but also strike breaking at the docks during World War II to end all ports. And yeah, so he, it was the, the first instance of like basically intelligence and mafia getting together like officially to do something. And then afterwards, he was sent back to Italy and started helping, you know, this whole movement, this Operation Gladio work to uh, stuff ballots, break up communist meetings and uh, protests with leg breakers. That's uh, like exactly what Mussolini did. Yep. Bribe people. Um, and that's what the mobsters were doing. And so while also moving and selling large quantities of Turkish heroin. And in fact, the... Turkish heroin? Explain that. Yeah. So the French Connection. Do you know, have you ever watched the movie The French Connection? Yeah, I have. Yeah. But I forgot all of So... Yeah, so that's what was happening. It was it was the French mafia and the who is also working in the same capacity post war France. Um, were also moving large amounts of heroin, and so the the theory is that the Lucky Luciano affiliated mob, who is also doing anti communist work, was also helping with moving large amounts of heroin. Because when you're doing black books projects like this, as we know, the CIA needs 
black books money because trying to go to appropriations committees filled with people who don't necessarily want to enact projects like this um, is difficult. So they like off the books sources of money, as we can see with like Operation Air America, uh, Iran Contra, -Contra, uh, Afghanistan currently, all of these things. Like every single kind of imperial project always uses heroin. Like like since the British Empire kind of it, you know, yeah. made it in like made it the thing to do. Obviously, yep. I know, um, you know, every kind of subsequent empire or imperial kind of force following them has gone and done the exact same thing, including the French Empire, the oh American Empire. Um, Cristiano you know. Ronaldo is based. <laughs> Any particular reason? Yeah, on TikTok, he was laughing at somebody stepping on the Israel flag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Do carry on, Tom. Um, so, yeah. I so, like it when, like, sexy football players, like, end up, like, not disappointing you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after the, the, the mob basically breaks up the communist chances of winning the 48 election, um, they basically form the, that's when the Christian Democrats, I believe, are basically formed as a coalition. And the Christian Democrats are essentially everybody to the right of the communists. It's, it's social like a Democrats. Part, it's like a unity ticket, except for yep. fashion. Oh, sorry, none. Except for whatever they are. <laughs> Communists. That's it. They have they have literal fascists admitted into the party, and the yeah. reason why this party is formed is essentially to keep the large block of communists, which at this point and up until the 1960s makes up roughly 30 percent, give or take a few percentage points at all time. Um, the Christian Democrats are formed to make sure that they are kept out, and the Christian Democrats is get the backing of the mob, the Vatican, and the CIA. So. Yeah. In, in and this all comes at 48 and it's kind of like like behind the scenes they're all just working they're not really doing all that much that's really violent or or explosive until the 1960s and in the 1960s like i said with the world social unrest that's happening we have um movements blowing up for liberation across the globe including like the weathermen here in the united states and then the red brigade in italy who's saying that the typical communist party that's been at 30 percent in parliament since 1948 has basically lost their teeth and needs to be more effective and from that point forward that's when gladio goes into overdrive world war ii um communists would totally assassinate people like william kube um like or whatever, Wilhart, ah, who cares what his name is? Some, some Nazi. Um, like, because it was necessary. So sometimes communists do need to assassinate some bad people when they're fighting for their, like, freedom, like, literally, like, from slavery or genocide or whatever. But they don't assassinate, like, when they, ass- when, when the communists, when the partisans assassinated William, what is, I hope his name is William. K-U-B-E I hope his name is that But it might not be <laughs> I forgot what his first name was But um, The partisan Like the partisan Was so accurate That she Killed Like she put a bomb Underneath his bed um, Basically she killed him And left his pregnant wife Undisturbed Oh I heard about this Didn't she like Stay asleep all night Like she didn't even get Yes 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 Isn't that creepy <laughs> That's so fucking like Precise 
Uh, yeah, yeah. So communists don't do like a random act of violence against like random people. It's always very targeted. Yeah, you can tell that's been done by a communist, can't you? It's such a precision strike against a bastard, like, and and to make sure that the wife doesn't even wake up as well. Like, it's been done by some because angry. Because she's pregnant, communist. exactly. So, like, the baby's fine too. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, and that's what. Uh, that's what like the Red Brigade was doing was like doing similar acts of just targeted strikes against capitalist structures like banks and build and office buildings and things like that. And, and it's important to note the, the key difference between the way the fascist assassinations go on, which is usually done by the CIA or its affiliate organizations or one of the one of the organizations. Throw everyone out of a helicopter. <laughs> and well, that, but also they will literally go and assassinate a, a democratically elected head of state. They've done it multiple times, um, purely because that that head of state is going to nationalise a specific industry, or they're going to. Abdul Karim Al Qasim. Well, there's, there's thousands. There's, there's literally thousands of, of cases of American. We're going to um, get to a big one yeah. here. That's where yeah. this story ends. I know, is the I know. assassination I of head of state. To, let me allow you to take over. I'll, that I'll, is true. Uh, so hold on. I actually this might be a good thing to go into a theory, just a quick one. Um, so like they always try to do the horseshoe or communist or fascist or exactly alike because there are some aesthetically looking things that are similar, like assassinating heads of states. Um, how can you tell when a communist did it versus when a fascist does it? Violence level. Okay. That's what I um, surely. Well, like when the assassination, it, it's generally. Is this not? Hold on, Tom, before you go into this. Level. Isn't this like comparing a, a capitalist prison to a, a gulag? Like, there's a difference. Okay. Yes, I, there's I would, a huge I would, difference, I would, but I want to like. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. I, I, my my assumption would be on justification. Like everyone can say that justification. Everyone except fascists believes that. Um, Mussolini, Mussolini deserved to be executed by the partisans. So that was a justified thing, you know. Liberals, um, communists, leftists, oh, everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the vast majority of people would generally agree that Mussolini deserved it. When Whereas, Tom says liberals, you mean like apolitical liberals, really, don't you? You don't mean liberals with political power. You mean exactly apolitical yes, liberals, yeah. people who self-identify as a liberal. There's a difference. Yeah. And and also the likes, even the likes of you know, like a British prime minister would still have to say, like you know, the assassination of Mussolini was a good thing because we are even a conservative one would probably have to say that, or it would be deemed as a bad thing because you know our, our fucking our most beloved um, Tory hero Winston Churchill hated the Nazis. Uh, you know, he obviously he, mm-hmm. it, it was only it was only because they competed with him. It wasn't on an ideological basis. Um, it was too much competition. We're not going to go into that anyway. The point being, um, you know, um, it was justified in the vast majority of people's eyes, in the in the eyes of like 95% of the population of the world, the, the assassination of Mussolini was justified. Whereas if you contrast that with something like the assassination of um, uh, uh, Mohammed Mossadegh, for example. Um, or just like was, the Night of the Long Knives or something like that, where it's like literally, well, like it's not done no, no, for the people, is it? It's done well, for the party. Well, well, yeah, but I'm also I use Mossadegh because he was a democratically elected leader. He came into power on on a on a, on, on a democratic basis. He came in. And he said British Petroleum is going to leave Iran. Um, Iran's oil uh, wells now belong to Iran and are going to be, uh, you know, exploited by Iranian oil companies, not foreign ones. And he got a bullet. 
you got a coup d'etat and you got a bullet. So you, this is this is clearly unjustified. The fact that nobody is taught about it, I think this is another thing. If you're proud, you, people on the left are proud of the assassination of Mussolini because he was a bad man and he deserved it, right? So we tell people about it. We, we don't shy away from it. We're like, yeah, the partisans killed Mussolini and it was fucking based. Same with the Red Army. We're like, yeah, Hitler ate a bullet because the Red Army was on his doorstep. That was fucking based. We don't hide it. But the imperialists and the capitalists hate telling the stories about all of their coup d'etats and all of their assassinations. And they don't teach it in their schools. They don't, um, you know, tell us about why they overthrew Mohammed Mossadegh because it was for oil and for capital and for money. Um, and, and, and even the capitalists know that that's not a noble goal. Um, it's not something to kind of... Uh, kind of celebrate so i'd say the key difference between a capitalist assassination and a communist assassination is the intent and a capitalist assassination will always be done for capital is the is the thing whereas a socialist assassination is generally going to be killing but a fascist how can you tell when it like the capital like how can you tell when it's uh, done for capital that's the thing while it's going on not 30 years later that's our well problem. nobody well killing Mussolini uh, as that example Everybody knows that the partisans aren't going to financially gain from killing Mussolini. They're not going to go to his fucking palace and ransack it and personally go home with like some fucking looted, uh, you know, fucking uh, artworks that he's stolen or something. I don't know. Um, that's not going to happen. Whereas you do know that if the British secret services are assassinating a, a, a somebody in their own country, um, and then you start seeing immediately foreign interests springing up, be that like BP oil oil rigs, or be it kind of American um, mercenary foundations, whatever it be, uh, they will always kind of follow. You, when I say it happens for capital, there's always you always see something. When um, when there was the coup d'état in um, Bolivia, for example, and immediately afterwards, all of the lithium mines were privatized um, and. And Elon Musk starts like going on about how proud he is of his little pet pet project coup d'etat. Like it's evident the, the the capitalists make it so evident it, it it's it's too hard to hide. Like they don't they don't go out and say we're doing this um, for this reason. They're not going to put it on the news, for example. But to anyone with a brain and you know the ability to fucking research these things, it becomes immediately clear what the objective is because you say, okay, well. There's been a change of government in X country, and then you look at the conditions and you say, okay, well, in that country, everything's just been privatized and sold to the Americans. So you can presume that that coup is going to be American derived, and it's going to be a financial or, or capitalist coup um, for for that specific reason, um, for for the, the the financial domination of that country. That that's the key difference. It's the whether it's for the financial domination of a country or for the liberation of a country. That's the difference between a capitalist assassination and a communist assassination. Okay. Right, who I, takes I, a who takes an IMF World Bank loan after? I wouldn't exactly. Like, and then notice how like the minute when um, Louis Arce Arce came to power, he just was like, hmm. Uh, if you tell poor people, okay, the, you see that jackass who's been enslaving you and making you work 18 hours a day and not giving you food? Let's kill him. Like, that's a popular idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. But capitalism, you're going to have to, like, it's, it's trying to say, you see that, like, you're going to have to be a slave and we're just going to give you the myth of opportunity um, and stuff like that. And so um, it's 
not popular at all, and so they have to sell it. They can't sell it in a way that um, they like. There's no way they're gonna ever get popular consent, so they have to use force, and so they kind of have to. So this is why they have to like they have to create. A, the first kind of thing is they have to misinform people. They confuse them about what is communism and what is capitalism. <laughs> yeah, clearing up people who are a danger. Yeah. Um, like just any poor person, leftist, anyone who dissents. Um, so like that's why you have the death squads because you need. You're just like you don't really care who's innocent, guilty, whatever. You just want to go bang, bang, bang. Like you, you just want to break up any way of these people of getting together and coordinating an effort against you right like we've seen an interesting like a kind of like a precursor to the death squads in the usa i'd say um with regards to like how how militarized the police response was to the black lives matter movement in the past couple of years it was like that the, the they were genuinely fearing the masses um, they, they, you know, they were seeing that a mass movement was springing up, and people were turning up with guns and stuff to protect the, you know, the protesters and things like this. And it scared the U.S. authorities to the extent they were sending in armed forces, tanks. They uh, still are, and that's they are all the, the time. They still yeah. are, and that's like the really um, on. Uh, that's the original purpose of the U.S. is to protect those like that. So. That's but the, like, what I'm saying is the, the consent's already been manufactured, you see. Like, when the time comes for those police officers to stop firing rubber bullets and start firing real bullets when the... When the oh, they already fire... Stop. I mean, the reason why there's these protests is because the officers are firing no, real bullets. No, no, I know what you're saying, but when I, what I mean is when they stop being, like, what they are and stop being open death squads, which... They already which, are, though, in the US. That's what you don't realize. I know, I know what you mean, but I'm talking, like, not, not in terms of they get to execute people extrajudicially and get away with it i mean when they're actually roaming the streets shooting people for being that's exactly what you. they do like no, the, I, know, I know i know but i mean but no no, no you don't to... understand the u.s situation literally we are in mussolini territory with the brown like that's exactly what they do like how many ferguson protesters like have shown up dead with bullets bullet holes in the oh, back of their heads and burned out like cars going to death like it's crazy yeah. yeah, like, literally that is what they do like literally we're literally literally I, I, I understand the point you were trying to make though about how yeah, in terms the of point, the escalation where it's going to be like very much open and out beyond that point in the u.s i'm sorry well, I mean, like, what, 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 like the way uh, i see it from like a from a, a europe western european perspective in terms of the the news that i receive from you know general sources and stuff just in the newspapers and stuff um over here it's perceived that like he's the, talking the about the story movement. of america not what's actually yeah. going on ish that's what right. he's talking about he's, he's talking yeah. about the mystique right like in terms of like this movement the consent has already been built that the police are kind of the victims almost you know and and there's so many boomers in america that are behind this logic and they, they have this whole blue lives matter movement and all this to combat the, the black lives matter movement so when it when it comes to the point where they're like right you know full-on um open season afghan fucking, um war against our own population like oh, like either. they did in ferguson that time where they literally just treated it as like a military training operation and started like bombing the houses and things Right, 
and, and you know, like you said, it's the Operation Gladio. This is a, a a playbook that they've been enacting everywhere. I mean, even in Indonesia, where they were, they like you talked about how here in the United States, the fascist state is is working to the point where it's open executions. In Indonesia, when they did the exact same thing, the liberals presented themselves to be uh, cataloged and being questioned by the police, and they were all disappeared. <laughs> it was crazy. Like the communists knew, wait, maybe we shouldn't go there, but then the liberals presented themselves to the fascist cops to be executed. Four million people died. Britain and the United States secretly conspired to back General Sahato. The American ambassador assured him that the U.S. government is generally sympathetic with and admiring of what the army is doing. Thousands were rounded up. What was not known at the time was later revealed by American officials. The CIA had supplied a list of 5,000 opponents to be assassinated and embassy officials ticked off their names as they were murdered. Yeah, but the liberals in Indonesia presented themselves too. Yeah, no, no, they were weird. Okay, they were like upper class and they actually like had never had the system fail for them. Yeah. Mm. We are at the first um, first act is the train station bombing in Italy. Um, blast in Milan kills 13. Her- and then another, like a few more. Okay, so there's like a, like a coordinated multiple train station are bombed in Italy in 1969. Is this blamed on... on- on communist, right? Yes. And the KGB, and of course, the, of, and um, communist Russians, Chinese. You know the. And, and what's interesting is like right oh, now Castro you have this. Too. Let's not forget Castro. Right, of course, but you have this 1974 one, and part of like the big reveal of Operation Gladio, um, meeting minutes actually talked about the execution of this bombing in 1974. Yeah, like the the so we're gonna get to the big reveal, but uh, like the, with the Banco Ambrosio uh, raids and the documents that were discovered about uh, Propaganda Due, there were meeting minutes and roles of members, and some of the meeting minutes described this entire thing, uh, this operation that they were doing and what they wanted to accomplish, and they called it. Um, Strategy of Tension was the name of it. And this uh, this particular train bombing in 1974 that's up on the screen was literally described in these meeting minutes in detail uh, and its execution. Before and how they went about doing it, who they were like assigning to do it and everything else. Were, th- were these documents written oh, be- wow. before um, before this or after it? Yeah. Um, were the documents right, like- written before or after the bombing? They were written before, kept by this gentleman who was the the uh, propaganda due master whose name was Lucio Gelli who was a fascist in uh, support of Mussolini's uh, in Spain and he was part of Franco's Spanish Civil War he was upper crust he was part of um, the, the, basically the head of P2 something in real time right now um, go ahead but uh, you'll see at the bottom um, John but everyone else you'll have to wait till the end okay carry on carry on Ash go ahead yeah we're no, at, no, uh, Ash, you got this yeah you've got it's the, we're at the fascist coup of 1974 Oh, okay. No, uh, no, no, we're not there yet. Oh, okay. So now um, the fascist coup of 1974 is kind of really interesting because there's um. Okay, so where do we start? Um, so how do the so bank robberies relate to this? That's They, they don't. They okay, okay, so imagine you have an organization called Mango Press. 
Yes. And then some, and then this like white nationalist decides to take up you. You're MangoPress.org, right? Mm-hmm. What if this white nationalist, instead of Mango hyphen Press, decides to do Mango uh, underscore Press? org has a logo exactly like yours except um he has like white nationalist um things where he says like let's kill all everyone exterminate exterminate and he acts like yes. so then people are gonna get confused mm-hmm. uh, between your website and that white nationalist website well they kind of did that with real life if that makes sense mm-hmm. right. the, the red brigade was mostly disaffected students much like the weathermen in the united states and they were the ones who were running around robbing banks and attacking capitalist uh, icons and during this time gladio uh put in the heightened tensions the the i forget what was it strategy of tension which had their stay behind network the fascists the mob and church uh posing as members of either the brigade red or other m- groups that they basically created to commit acts of massive terror like these train bombings which they then turned around and tried to blame on the communists because up until this point even the red brigade was getting more sympathy from the italian populace as their quality of standard of life was depreciating and they were coming under uh civil unrest and the communists themselves yeah strikes all sorts of things the communists themselves were becoming more and more and more popular so that's why they implemented this strategy of tension in order to commit acts of terror and blame it on the communists including these young disaffected students who were taking violent uh quasi-violent means of uh, uh liberation uh at the red brigade yeah I, I, and then the uh, the thing about this is that the guy who was in charge of the uh, okay so there was a neo okay so let's say uh where do we start in 1974 um there was like literally uh like a what do you explain it like uh 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 how do i explain it it's okay it's called the they called in italy they call it the golpe borghese like borgia bourgeoisie coup um and um it was literally like literally uh, uh, one of the princes um like not italy doesn't have princes but you know what i'm talking about like he's like he like tried to do the coup and then um like he literally ran away to i believe the united states or one of the pro oh oh his name was count edgardo sonio in his memoirs itself he explains how the cia like station chief like visited him in his apartment I can't remember which city, but it was like a fancy city. Um, like it's not—it's like you know one of those exclusive, really super expensive like places in Italy that where mm-hmm. fancy people go to. Mm-hmm. And then he said the U.S. Was like would support anything we will do. Like he literally wrote that in his memoir and like was publicly admitted to this. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So what they did was like the first thing they did was basically where do we okay so well, how do we start this okay so the first thing they did is they uh, uh there was okay so there was like this like um okay so Americans can I know you hate cops but not uh, like Italian cops are different in some ways especially because Italy did a good job of purging the fascists inside of Italy um. But this guy was like actually very close to solving this like cool thing. His name was I can't remember Luigi maybe, or I could be making that up. Uh, don't quote me on this. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so the police, Luigi? the police in- investigated this 
the coup in oh. real time. Oh yeah, in yeah. real time and throughout, and we're discovering. No, 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 but hold like, on, no, 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 no. This police officer who was assassinated. Hold on. Right. I think well, that's what was... Luigi, right? I hope. Well, so what I was going to say is the police were real. The police in general, as well as attorneys and prosecutors and all sorts of people, were investigating this in real time and uncovering ties to right wing fake groups in real time. And then those police and prosecutors and others became targets of ter- terrorist attacks. Yeah, like they'd like mysteriously just go boom and die. And yep. so um, what happened was that um, basically, uh, he, uh, yeah, I was right. His name was Luigi Calabresi. Okay, knew it. Um, so, um, so what happened was that um, he was he was um, assassinated um, uh, uh, in the years of lead, um, and uh, he was very close. They've made a stamp. Ah, that's so cute. Okay, they've made a stamp with his name on it. So I'll put it up here. Like, I, which slide are we on now? We're on the coup slide, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Still fascist coup. Okay. 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 So okay. So this was the the first precursor. You see this? Like he's now on the stamp of Italy, but he was like killed. Um, and then, um, uh, okay. So then they um, eh, like what they did is they figured out that there were like these two like fascist mobsters weirdos just like bad people for lack of a better word world word and um but then suddenly like while the trial was going on like boom 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 witnesses started disappearing okay well we know why (laughs) yeah yeah, because i do know why uh, um so then they had to be let go because there was no more evidence, because there was no one to testify, because the witnesses started going boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so then the, um, then in 1972, later, um, there were more like just random violence, bombings. Um, so, um, so then like people are panicking because they're just like getting very confused like they don't know what to do they don't like the government doesn't know what's going on um so um well members of the government do (laughs) well italian government right no but members of the italian government do because they're part of propaganda duo they're part of the masonic large Uh, oh oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. they are they're just keeping uh, quiet about it so that everybody is in this state of heightened tension exactly um, and then, like, there was, like, a car bomb, which, like, exploded and killed, uh, I believe, three security guards or something like that. Um, and then, like, the thing about it is that they made it a point to kind of, like, copy what Mussolini did, like, a few years earlier, like, um, in order to, like, strike terror because people are afraid now, right? Um, um, so now suddenly, like, oh my- like on top of it it's like what the hell like all these people who are also have probably have ptsd from world war ii got they're still alive they're still panicking they're just like don't know what to do um so then um okay by the way um later we find out that this like weird bomb that was like a car bomb that just killed security guards it was made from c4 which is a pretty hard to get chemical unless you're in the US military. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, 
Find yourself asking, what is to be done? How about giving us a five-star rating on iTunes? Or catch our live streams on Twitch, Rockfin, and YouTube to learn more about feline friend and revolutionary Vladimir Ilyich Ulanov by tuning in to Late Nights with Lenin. Or if you're looking for all of our podcasts and newsletters, go to historically.substack.com and read some theory, as the kids say on Twitter. Don't worry, it's not really theory. It's about theory. So, it is what is to be done. Which gets to what we were talking about earlier with the stay behind with large source uh, caches of weapons, large caches of forged documents, and just straight cash left in places like basements and caves and basements of churches as part of the stay behind operation. Didn't they recently find um, a couple of these caches like in the, it might have been like the Italian like forests just like buried in the- awesome. So whoever finds it, keep it and like spend it. Yeah, well, like, it, was, it was like a big cache of old guns and like um, um like magazines and stuff, if I recall. And it was just like found by like some dude with a metal detector, just like <laughs> walking through the forest. I'll find yeah. the uh, I'll find the article for that. That's so cool. But that's probably we- that's exactly Gladio. Yeah. Okay, so if you find it, keep it, have fun with it, enjoy yourself, or like, uh, fund a revolution. <laughs> if that's not money, <laughs> I don't know. The Bolsheviks on that stolen hand, like, Gladio loot own bank. There are people who hunt for like that sort of stuff, though, aren't there in Europe? Yeah, all over. Because again, this was happening as part of the Stay Behind operation all over Europe. Mm. There's loads of videos on YouTube of people like, "Is this where the Nazi gold is buried?" Oh no, no, no! The Nazi gold is in a bank in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Um, um, yeah. So the 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 reason why the Swiss like the the Swiss neutrality is basically they're like, "Ha ha, you're Nazis! If you come here, we're gonna send you to jail." And then uh, they get to keep it. And then like for Jewish people, they're like, "Oh, we'd love to give you your gold and money back, but you need to show us your ID." And like that was destroyed in the concentration camps. Blah blah blah. So yeah, like that's basically in the bank in Switzerland. Like there's no mystery there. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no way of getting the ID to claim it back. Yeah. Right. So that's how Switzerland operates with their neutrality. Uh, not very neutral. <laughs> this is an interesting one. Just I just did a bit of googling then, um, and it was there's an RT article here um, about mm-hmm. a, a cache of um, Gladio weapons that were found in Somerset in England. Um, oh my by, god, that's crazy! Yeah, by two young boys who were magnet fishing, so they were just fishing in the, in a local lake, um, and they pulled out. This was it doesn't seem to have a date on this. It seems like a fairly old article. Um, wow! But it basically says that the weapons cache included over eighty. Um, 80 weapons, which was enough to equip two, platoon, two platoons of soldiers or a column of guerrillas, including Czech weaponry, submachine guns, US-made M16 assault rifles, um, 44 auto-mag large-caliber semi-automatic pistols, Belgian FNCAL assault rifles, uh, M2 Browning, which is an American um, uh, machine gun, uh, 50 caliber machine guns, um, Soviet AK-47s and uh, MG-42 light machine guns, which were known as Hitler's buzzsaw. So, of all them weapons there, they were their NATO weapons, with the exception of the AK-47, which obviously sounds like it's kind of seems like it's a false flag. 
um, the Belgian. Oh no, I think it's just like something they found lying around and just were discriminatory. Yeah, possibly. Um, basically, they said it was uh, initially thought to be an IRA cash, but then it was found. <laughs> it was confirmed not to be, um, and the weapons were all confiscated. That's all it says. Um, and then the, this article here goes into how other caches of NATO weaponry have been found um, in the town of San Vito al Tagliamento uh, near Trieste. Italy? Yes, sorry, yeah, in, in Italy. It's near the city of Trieste. Um, so that, that, that was a cache of weapons found um, at a chapel. Um, it was buried in the graveyard of a chapel. So that's nice and respectful of the fascists. Um, that was 1972. That was found. Um, well, keep in found mind that they were they were working with the church, the chapel, and a lot of church basements had all this stuff too. Uh, yep. Um, and and then you know how like in like the 1940s they started a stupid like stupid rumor about how the communists are cracking down on Christians, and then you're like, no, the Christians actually are cracking down on the communists. But whatever. Oh, and then the, uh, let's not forget the weird Pope um, during the 1970s. When did that guy become Pope? Who? The Polish guy, the Polish fascist. Which which fascist pope? <laughs> the Polish one. <laughs> the one uh, recently. I'm not too. I'm not too. No, no. The one in the 1970s and 80s. Oh, Can't I don't know. 1970s, 80s popes. Yeah, I don't know of my popes. I don't have my pope okay, trading so that, cards that I memorized. There was a Polish pope that helped do like the coup, uh, Solidarność coup. Oh. Okay. Uh, Taking the time out of his busy day of children to do a nice coup in Poland. In that industry, I do know his name. Uh, the Vatican supported him, didn't they? Uh, didn't they supported uh, solidarity financially? Yeah, well, a lot more than that. Um, I thought I showed the document from last week, but basically, there they they financial was the least of the support. Mm-hmm. They were like, and, and then like, there was even a, a, oh. There was even this hilarious Washington Post article where it's like Polish government um, says there's rumors of anti-Semitism, um, but it's actually the Jews or something like. It's like John Paul II. Is that his fake Nessa's fake name, right? Yeah, that's his Pope name. I ain't got a clue what his real name is. I think his real name is Carol Wojak. 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 Whatever. Let me find out while you keep talking. Someone okay, it doesn't even matter what his real name is. Okay. Anyways, you were right. You were right. Oh, wow. My memory is great. Okay. So, anyways, um, so, anyways, um, it's awesome. Um, so basically, what, oh, so, like I said, um, they were completely like messing up everything like they were hosting people like uh, they were like giving diplomatic passports to psychos they were literally doing everything necessary to um to basically um make these happen so the church was not a neutral operator okay we're uh, about to hit 19, 1978 right about to hit no, the big one we're not yet at 1978 hold on oh, okay there's two more assassinations before we hit 1978 okay so then um there was a there was the anti-fascist parade like a, that in Italy that they had on May Day and these fascists like hit them and blew up a lot of things and then they blamed the red brigade on it. Mm-hmm. And um so then um now so there's a lot of random complete violence 
and no one knows what's going on. No one, no human knows what's going on. Some elite joke, but now we're at the 1978. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Aldo Mori was the prime minister of Italy, and he was going to form a coalition government. Like Italy had a coalition government, kind of like England and uh, India. So he was going to form a coalition government with the communists. And Henry Kissinger actually said, bad things are going to happen to you if you uh, form a coalition government with the communists. Um, right. He got so frightened. He went and met Kissinger in Washington because he was a Christian Democrat and head of the Christian Democratic Party. But he was about to break off um, the Sock Dems, some of the liberals and uh, leftists to leave the Christian Democratic Party and form a coalition as a direct result of this unrest and the economic unrest that he was seeing and like the increasing economic de- uh, austerity and depravity that was being pushed by the Christian Democrats because of the you know coalition with the fascists. So he was going to break these off and he had a meeting with Kissinger as prime minister and Kissinger basically threatened him. <laughs> <laughs> like well, yeah, exactly. said, feel die, and and then it, he came through. So and then Kissinger later, like, so then he was kidnapped. Oh, okay. Um, for so, fifty-five days. Yeah. Um, and then what they did was they would like um have hostage videos where they would like pretend to ask for a ransom, and you have to drop your ransom off here, here, here. But then they would it was like a both the propaganda okay so the thing about it was that italy doesn't ha- it's kind of like england in that it's, it's not like they don't have a billion cable channels like they have pay tv and free tv and free tv is rye so everyone watches rye uh, kind of like england right mm-hmm. um and then um so this was a way to get airtime on rye as a way of like bypassing the fact that italy had a state-controlled media no, still does. So is this picture of him in front of a red brigade flag fake? Well, no, the picture is real, but the person who's kidnapping him is not part of the red brigade. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm getting. And, and the, the the Moro like Moro's kidnapping and, and assassination, because as you can see by the picture next to it with him dead in the trunk of the car, is there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a ton, a ton, a ton of circumstantial evidence tying it to Propaganda Due and Operation Gladio. And no, no, it, they, the U.S., okay, that's the thing in the bottom. The U.S. diplomat, like, uh, already admitted to it. <laughs> like in Sort of. No, no, yeah, yeah. admitted to it. Like, there's an article about that right in the bottom. So, so Moro... Um, like yeah, like you said, he was about to form this coalition with the communists. He was going to start doing like more redistributive um, economic policies. He was starting to say like, okay, well, maybe the left has, maybe the communists have the right idea. Maybe we need to stop working with fascists. And then he ends up dead. And he was held for 55 days. And like Esha said, he was like showed all of these videos. He was, they, they used it as propaganda to get on the state television. But through portions of his stay, uh, later investigations revealed that he was being kept in buildings owned by military intelligence. Mm-hmm. Literally being kept in buildings that were owned by the same people who were working very heavily with Propaganda Duo, who were working very heavily with the original founders of Gladio to to start the operation and working very heavily with the Vatican and the mob itself. So all of these, so all of these places and all of these people that are tied to the kidnapping of Moro 
are all tied together through Propaganda Duo. But nobody at the, the time of his kidnapping knows anything about this. So, like, while this is going on, there's just speculation and conspiracy. And people are saying, this doesn't oh, yeah, seem they- like the communists. He was about to organize with the communists. He was about to do this. Oh, Why I'm would the communists that, shoot on, themselves? They also, like, blamed, of course, Russia, China, and the also of, of course. And everybody was like people in the years of lead, like the Italians, the everyday Italians were like, this just doesn't make any sense. This is more craziness. This is more craziness on top of the years of lead. And we're being told by a whole bunch of state actors and people who seem to be the elite that this is the communist doing. Yeah, exactly. And it's not. Um, uh, so, um, oh, okay. So then like here, there was like a, this like, TV propaganda producer, young um, uh, weirdo, who uh, kind of finds his uh, little niche here. His name is Silvio Berlusconi. Yep. Mm. So, um, uh, <laughs> so then, um, where do we go? Okay, okay. So Aldo M- M- Moro ends up dead, um, and. Um, then we have the uh, um, the next um, uh, election in Italy. Um, well, then there was the, also the the gigantic uh, the the bombing of the train station. I believe it was Barcelona, where like they killed eighty five people in nineteen eighty. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the, yes, that was uh, the Rome to Barcelona. Yeah, yes. Or, or Milan. I don't so know, Operation but. Gladio is still going on. That and again, documents that were revealed later showed that like they actually this group, he too actually planned out this 1980 bombing uh, that killed 85 people. Uh, yeah, and then um, so um, yeah, it was like really. Uh, uh, and then on top of that, there was like like some random plane hijacks. Um. Uh, what else? Um, Still the disappearing of prosecutors and police investigating. Oh, oh yeah, and then the witnesses dying. Yep. Uh, so no one wants to come up or come forward because they're afraid to like come forward. Kind of like what happened with JFK, basically. Yep. Um, and, and politicians. The, the, the car bomb is such a, a, a favorite CIA assassination technique. I think that's the exact same thing they used on the, uh, the journalist who reported on the Panama Papers in, I think it was 2011. Oh, yeah, um, and then... Um, Orlando Letelier in 1972. She just came out, didn't she? The one who reported on the the Panama one from um, Mal- Malta. Yes. Yes. Said yep. said the information, and within like two days, like she was dead. There was a car bomb that uh, assassinated her, and like all information about the Panama Papers was just not reported in the news again. Like it was in the news for I think two days in the West, and yep. like that was probably like the biggest <laughs> biggest story of the decade, perhaps. And obviously that's why they assassinated the journalist that. That broke it. Meanwhile, I live. I lived in Panama for two years and and dealt with like some of the large banks down there because of the type of work I was doing. And it was just a known secret that all they were doing was money laundering, and that's why they were building like new Trump towers and all this stuff. And that Panama was just a money laundering haven for all of South and Central America, including for um, runners. Okay, yeah. it's just and an then, open secret. By the way, and, and then like. Um, by the 1980s, like Italy's like mobs also became uh, very strong because um, basically, so Vatican has a bank called Banco Ambrosiano, um, and this is in 1982. 
Uh, yeah, they're, and they're not quite the Vatican's bank. They're called the Vatican's bank because what's happening is like they're quasi-independent, but their allegedly. biggest... Right, allegedly. And their biggest trading partner is the bank, the Vatican Bank. And what they're doing is they're essentially laundering money back and forth between each other and creating, um, fra- basically creating fraudulent funds while also amassing a giant pile of debt. Oh, yeah. So it, it's it's kind of like a it's not quite a Ponzi scheme. It's more along the lines of kind of some of the stuff that Enron was doing in the nineteen uh, 1990s. Okay, but then oh 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 yeah, but then the what happened is that one of the bankers like kind of got up dead. Well, well, it's more than that. What happened was there was a huge, they had a huge liquidity crisis in all of Italy, and then debts were called in, and they realized like, oh shit, Banco Ambrosiano doesn't have any liquidity. In fact, they were the ones left holding the gigantic bag of debts from the laundering of back and forth of Vatican money. And then this banker Calvi was uh, raided essentially, and he gave up the guy, uh, and also through ties through Branco and Braziano, he gave up Lucio Gelli, who was the head of P2, former uh, current fascist and also fascist under Mussolini, who was the head of P2. And in trying to get to the bottom of this liquidity problem and this banking crisis that was involved the Vatican and and uh, Banco Ambrosiano, they raided Lucio Gelli's home. And when they raided his home, they found the motherlode of all the roles, 962 people, of all of the meeting minutes that detailed them planning out what these operations, these bombings were going to be, the the who was going to carry them out, going to plan around Moro's uh, kidnapping and assassination, not actually detailing it, but talking about how they were going, what they were going to do about it and what they were going to do about Moro. Like all of these documents that showed that there has been this basic secret government that has been operating in Italy this whole time. That was a bit of an yep. echo from Tom then. I was just reading okay. about yeah. the uh, assassination and it says that they decided, uh, apparently they decided to uh, assassinate him because they thought he was revealing state secrets in the letters he was writing out, mainly the existence of the project. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, are Calvi's assassination or uh, Jelly's? <clears throat> or Moro's? Pardon me, I just sneezed. Uh, Moro. Moro's, okay. Yeah, and um, so so there's there's three names that are going to come up like really heavily in the next like little bit, and that's Roberto Calvi, Calvi, Lucio Jelly, and Michelle Sindona. Right. Okay. Oh. And you probably got some more, uh, Esha, but those are mine. No, it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Let, let's not get bogged down by details. But then there's the two other bankers that like, die in mysterious circumstances, right when they get called to be witnesses. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you can... And, and like a whole bunch of people that worked for Calvi, like that worked directly for this, the guy who ran the bank, all showed up dead. And it wasn't just like bankers it was bank aides it was like people who had attended meetings and wrote minutes it was a whole shit ton of people yeah mm. it was yeah like it was kind of like jfk's assassination where a lot of the witnesses ended up dead so like mm-hmm. but then eventually the vatican had to give up the bank because they like the italian government's like okay screw this we're not going to have a liquidity crisis because of you, so we're shutting it down. <laughs> yeah. 
And and that's when the raids under Lucio Jelly happened, and it was revealed like among the the 962 people on the rolls of P2 Masonic Large were a crap ton of cardinals and high up officials in the Vatican who were by canon and law prohibited from joining any other organization, especially a Masonic Lodge. So the Vatican gave them a special dispensation because you know pushing for fascism was more important than working than. Uh, obeying God's law. Well, on top of it, um, the guy who was in charge of the Pope was also a fascist. And like, that was the time when they rehab, like they literally beatified Archbishop Stepanich uh, around that time. Like all these like horrible people were turned into saints and the Solidarnos was going on. And um, Romania, Yugoslavia, all of it was going on. So, but on the other hand, it's kind of funny because while this was going on with the Vatican in Europe, uh, the U.S. was funding death squads that had their slogan literally be be a patriot, kill a priest. And like they assassinate Archbishop Romero and literally like gang rape nuns. Um, so there is a split in the Catholic Church that we see in the 1980s, too. And um, so the side in the Western Hemisphere it has the liberation theology, it has Pope Francis, it has the all these priests that are getting murdered by the Contras. Yep. And then, you know, the other side, you had fascists and exactly. ex-Nazis. Or, and no, I, people... I yeah. Yeah. And, and people who were running um, operations or helping to run things like Operation Gladio behind the scenes and giving cover and papers to fascists who move around in these areas. So okay, then... So- Hold on. Oh, One thing on. is like there was this Polish priest who was killed by the Polish security services, um, the Kami ones. Um, so the U.S. I can't, I can't remember Jer- ah, Jersey Popiaski. But then later we find out that uh, the Polish security services were right to kill him because he was doing really horrible things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, where are we at in the story, lads? We are at the Calvi family asks new inquest. Yeah, because um, yeah, he just mysteriously ended up dead, and um, all the witnesses kind of keep it ending up dead, and his family's like, "What the hell?" And yeah, then, he, he he was found hanging in London from Blackfriars Bridge with rocks in his pocket. Yeah, like just like so bizarre. What's this? Twenty-five reported dead as explosions rip a train in a tunnel in Italy. A um, more Operation Gladio violence. This right. is either just like extra random violence. All right, okay. Do carry on. Oh, let's not forget. Uh, there's like the there, there's the Turkish and Greek coup and all that. Oh um, yeah, yeah we, I have a whole list that I can run through real quick if you want. No, okay, to. go for it, and then we'll read the CIA agents. So in France, the the concurrent Operation Gladio, as we talked about, was the ones who were breaking up the communist strikers uh, with and running heroin in the southern ports of France. And then there was the attempted assassination of de Gaulle for pulling out of uh, pulling out of Africa. In Greece, there was the 67 coup that actually happened with generals who are on the CIA payroll as part of their Operation Gladio. Turkey, were, the Operation Gladio was called Counter Guerrilla, and it became like basically the entirety of the deep state afterwards. Um, they were the formation of the Grey Wolves. They had the massacre in 77 where they massacred a bunch of left-wing students in the square. Uh, and then the coup in 80 was actually headed by the, the nominal head of the Operation 
encounter guerrilla in spain there was um 77 there was a bunch of communist politicians and lawyers who were gunned down and it turns out they were attacked by neo-fascists who were also neo-fascist uh allied and assisted by neo-fascists out of Italy who were also tied to Operation Gladio in Italy. That's it for my my brief list. Oh, okay. And then mine is that, okay, so then like uh, there's a Yugoslavia where there, there's like a whole, but like the US, like the, uh, the in, in Germany, the Yugoslavian ambassador gets like killed, like these, like, um, Catholic, like these Catholic tourists go in and shoot, like take hostage. And then in like, uh, like sometime in like the mid 1980s in Croatia, like somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Maybe it's not the middle of nowhere. It's like a, maybe it's a big city. I don't know. And I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend any Croatians. I apologize if I did. Uh, I'm, I'm a little sensitive about the Balkans because I don't want to accidentally. Uh, I, 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 I've been through this headache before, <laughs> exactly one year ago. So I'm not doing this again. But there, there was a city in the uh, in the in the in the uh, Balkans where, um, mm, yeah, where basically these fascists like ended up like 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 squeezing this like these like two random soldiers to death and then um yeah and then like they eventually like uh, like started arming these militias and then the breakup of the yugoslavia happened but so yeah these stay behind networks continued um would it be correct in i mean obviously these groups go i'm gonna go right off topic and sound like you know uh these groups are linked to like the, the collapse of the Soviet Union, aren't they? In in the Balkans. Uh, oh, in every single way. In Romania, and you watch the movie. The movie is called Checkmate: Strategy for a Revolution. Um, so in like Romania was the first state to fall, and the really crazy thing is that most people don't know. Like a thousand people died that December before it fell. And um, even today, like no matter what you may say about Ceausescu, he keeps getting more po- and more popular every single year. Um, and um, on top of it, like what happened is that the Romanian, like there was so much like um, sabotage that one section of the Romanian army was shooting the other section of the Romanian police and they both thought that they were like shooting these fascist coups but then they shot each other like this happened like two weeks before the fall of Romania which was the first country to fall and it was like so psychotic um and thousands died so yeah and none of like so this is the like with the fall of the communism it was not done without blood you just don't hear about the blood because these people aren't considered people maybe i don't know but a lot of them were just like normal poor people like like literally a thousand died watch the movie checkmate strategy for a revolution about romania because like that one we know uh it was very bloody it was like a death squad that came in and just went whoosh and think about euro maidan Mm, it was worse than that, actually, like much worse than that, because it was all over the country. And so there was this like Hungarian fascist priest, I believe, who allegedly was um, allegedly discriminated against for being the Hungarian fascist. Um, and then like it just like really crazy. It was more like what would have happened if the 1956 coup in Hungary had succeeded. Like, so that's how bloody it, it was. Very bloody. Um. So, uh, and then 
so yeah so we know about that um we don't uh, others who are not so sure um uh, there was of course of course yugoslavia was like disgusting um and then um it, like and then yeltsin bombed his own parliament blah 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 but oh oh my god yesterday i discovered that there was like a train full of children that were like bombed a few years like a, a, a year before the soviet union fell um for a gas attack like for a gas leak caused by quote unquote negligence and we i'm not exactly sure who did it but i don't think it was the soviets <laughs> because the soviets are careful about that um i i i think i've just i've just read a, a funny a funny little bit of uh I was just reading on on the, the projects against the Assad, and it, it says here that um, that they would never actively resist. I think the wording's funny. A Soviet invasion. But we know that. Uh, That's not an invasion if they don't resist it. Well, no, no, no. We know that the Soviet Union um, countries joining the Soviet Union did so because the Communist Party of that country requested to join, to join the Soviet Union. Yeah. The Soviet Union never invaded anywhere in Europe. Countries voluntarily joined the Union. They could leave at any point as well, couldn't they? In fact, That's Stalin's worst f***ing mistake. I will never forgive him. In 1936, he f***ing added that secession provision to the constitution because he was like in theory countries like if there's like treated if any nationality is treated fairly he should not have done that he should have been like if you want to secede it we're gonna send in the tanks <laughs> <laughs> no but what i'm saying is it says here that that the yeah instructions for stay behind operations were to not get involved in soviet quote-unquote invasion and the reason why they wouldn't get involved in the "Quote unquote invasion would be because of this uh, this um, idea that we're talking about right now, isn't it? Because if they got involved and stopped the Soviet yep. quote unquote invasion, they can't have this idea now that the Soviet Union invaded and made all these satellite states. Like they they still call East Germany a, a, a Soviet puppet state and all this, don't oh. they? But you know what's really funny? The CIA even admitted that the Soviet Union didn't really like. Basically, a lot of so the Soviet Union was like, just like stopping from hitting the ceiling. So like they just didn't even have the resources to psychotically control everything like uh, thousands and thousands of miles away. Yeah, exactly. But it's so so uh, like logically it makes sense. But now the CIA is like, yeah, we were just like acting. We're, we were just like making up conspiracy theories. The Soviet Union didn't actually. Like Stalin's not really telepathic from beyond the grave to control Eric Honecker or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 exactly. This is what I'm getting at, though. But if they would have involved themselves in those invasions to stop the invasions, quote unquote, then they wouldn't have been able to create this whole story behind it to then justify the next actions that carry on, aren't they? Because, Balkanization. Well, well solidarity etc are good examples of it aren't uh, they? No, because, no no that's what i meant like balkanization that's balkanization what i'm right? saying is these groups they can't they can't um because, because because of like what tom was talking about earlier these these uh apolitical liberals or what if we yep. want to call them that they want they're not going to support an open fascist movement so you've got to you've got to do this thing where they're resisting Soviet invasion. They're not fascists. They're it's like Navalny <laughs> right now, isn't it? Navalny's a yep. perfect 
example of well, this. Well, he's not really okay, but yeah, 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 exactly. This idea, not him himself, but this idea that like no, 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 he is a total no, he's there. Okay, so okay, so he's like the uh, money launderer for all. Like they've given up on Russia, but he's like the money launderer for all the other satellite states. Yeah, but. The the apolitical liberal doesn't know this. They're told that Navalny is some political persecuted uh, person. Persecuting to him is good right, and, and this is and that's why. Well, this is where you're getting. I think your point that the is like they can't in order to create a sense of legitimacy afterwards they can't openly resist a quote-unquote invasion they have to do these stay behind operations which is exactly planned out along the same lines as the partisans only for fascists well what you're talking about earlier right is that a, a, a communist movement or what they're calling a soviet invasion has complete support of the people right so if they, correct if they if they if they uh hijack that to fight against it everybody's going to be like yeah you're just fascists you're not some yeah, sort this of freedom is exactly fa- you're just fascist in the movie hold on hold on this is exactly what they cover in the movie checkmate strategy for a revolution of what, what they like exactly that um so, but this um, is also why I love Operation Gladio because you can you can especially in Western countries you can point to the actual actors in this this movement in this these operations and say hey look these are fucking Nazis they're being utilized by your state that's telling you that they love democracy and adhere to democracy to literally kill a prime minister who is going to align democratically with a communist government or create a communist coalition within his government and they use these these Nazis along with the Catholic Church and the mob to kill this person in order to and blame it on communists in order to foment a false sense of what this democracy was actually moving to and in order to make sure that they usher in a more fascistic state. Okay. So wait, like wait, your wait. your average apolitical liberal, like, you know, here in America, especially like your average Democrat thinks, oh, we're the good guys because we're in opposition no, no, no. to fascists. I know. Exactly. I know. I, Asher, know, I, know come on. I, I have a reaction to them. Like, that's why I just can't. I know. And, and, and your average American Republican even will go to the point where we fucking hate the Nazis. And then you point out that, hey, your government absolutely provided weapon, arms, training, and uh, cover for Nazis to assassinate the head of Italy, the headly, head of Italy's government. Okay. And like it's like one of those brain worms that infects them and cracks the reality that's been fomented for them. Okay. Like something that actually can can maybe take them from the position of apolitical liberal into something that's more radicalized and oh, hopefully yeah. begin a journey that will be beneficial to their own life. Exactly. That that's a one. Um, another one is ask them to check the number of Jews in Romania before and after, like, like the fall of communism. That is really creepy. There's a um, there's there's a quote on here also that says like they wouldn't specifically just target um, a communist movement. They would target any sort of they've quote they, they've it's listed here as just unrest. But we we know that mm-hmm. that means far right when they step out of line right the the ruling class only use fascists they, they're not they don't agree with uh, them themselves so much yeah they don't care they just want to maintain the ownership of the lithium mine or etc 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 they'll they, they're not into this like idea that a person is more superior than someone else they just want to know they are in like well ford and disney were well, no, 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 no. You'd be surprised. Oh my God! I just like I, I, I was like reading about the beer hall. Like it, it, they are, but not like they're. They care. Like there's a. They know why. Like they know their ruling class interests always come. 
what I'm trying to get what I'm trying to get at is people people like the the global elite are not open out and out Nazis that strut about in uniforms. They leave that they leave right. that for the for the people who are into that side of fascism, right? They'll just use those people as their goon squad so they can keep their lithium mine, so they can buy another billion dollar yacht and sail around the world. They're not interested. At, they're not interested really in in the ideas of fascism. They're just interested in what results it gets for them by pushing that ideology on people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you, well, some of them possibly do believe that, but I think yeah. I think a good example, not rather than using um, Ford, because obviously in the 1920s, like no, no, the, no, no, it's no, worse than that. Like, okay, no, no, they're like, okay, what it is is that they'll always like use whoever is in power to further their interest. So um, one good example is, um, what's his name? I paid Hitler. Tyson Krupp. He wrote this book where he cried. He's like, I paid Hitler and I regret it. Because he was jumping. He was a rat jumping. I think a good example of this, Esh, is what, what I'm trying to get at is Euromaidan, right? Because oh, af- God, afterwards, was- right? So they would use... Um, they would use Nazis to, to carry out this smashing up of, of the current Ukraine. government of Ukraine, right? And then afterwards, they do this thing where they say to these Nazis, well, you either re- rehabilitate yourself and you become a liberal uh, <laughs> and you take uniform off and we'll give you a political job, or they literally clear them out if they refuse to and they're like, no, 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 we're actual like fascists. We weren't just in it for the money or whatever. They, they then clear them out as well and restore, in yes. quote-unquote, order. The, the, what we've got going on here, right, is a battle. I mean, World War Two. You just look at it. You've got this, you've got socialists on the left hand side, the USSR, China, etc. Every other communist country that supported them. And then you've got the, the the fascists, Italy, Japan, uh, Germany on the right. But then you've got the ax, the the, the allies. Sorry just towing that, that centre-right line, haven't you? Because that's the order that we're talking about. World War II is a, is a good example of this, what I'm trying to get at. So Gladio, if you imagine that that centre-line is how, how they want it, they want history to stay on that centre-line, don't they? Because if they keep it on that centre-allied line, imperialist order line, then they don't have too much trouble from communists. And at the same time, They've got the fascists under the thumb, oh, re- ready to ready to get out of the bag whenever society does switch that. towards I, left. Yeah, so fascists much. are always out of the bag, ready to be deployed. But like that's another story. Oh. But but hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, the center line is a great point that Fran makes because actually that's how propaganda is like both sides. And when you actually investigate each individual piece of propaganda, you notice that the U.S has lied 110% of the time and the Soviet Union has told the truth 150% of the time. Like, that's like how black and white reality is. It's literally like a cartoon. It's cartoonishly evil and cartoonish. Like, like, so a lot of people don't understand that reality is not both sides, but it's very polarized. So Fran made a really good point about that. Mm, I think as well, one one point as well is that, that the fascists generally... They don't generally ever gain power themselves. That, as as Fran said, that they're more just like the foot soldiers of the capitalists. So the capitalists will unleash their brown shirts or black shirts or whatever mm-hmm. coloured shirt the fascist of the time wants to wear. Why do they always have coloured shirts? By the way, it's interesting that isn't it? Anyway. Is that am I oh, right in thinking I that? I had no idea. Oh, I had no idea. Fat. Okay. 
So the black shirts in Italy were called black shirts because they were, oh my God. Okay. They, uh, they were designed like polo shirts in order to like look nice. Like the Proud Boys. Do carry on, Tom. The, um, it, it's interesting. I, I was going to say before, like when you were saying that obviously the capitalists themselves are not, 90% of the time, they're not actual fascists in terms of they don't ideologically follow the line of fascism. They yeah, just yeah. kind of do fascist mm. shit. No, I'm I'm getting there. Trust me. What what I mean by that is, um, when I come in from that angle, I'm coming at it from a. If you use Elon Musk as an example, he identifies as this kind of like weird, kooky, libertarian, liberal spaceman guy, mm. um, and this is kind of like his old persona. But then he will openly say the words, "We will coup whoever we want," mm. right? after a coup d'etat has literally garnered results for him particularly so it's it's not a joke it's not a it's not an exaggeration it, it's him bragging about the success of his coup now a coup can only be described as when, when obviously when it comes from a right-wing perspective from a, a capitalist perspective it can only be described as a fascist action only and 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 the, those who seized power in bolivia were fascists um this is not for debate. However, I don't think Elon Musk was sat there thinking, you know, fuck the indigenous communities of Bolivia. He doesn't give a shit about them. He, he doesn't care. It, it, it's not that he hates them. It's that he literally does not care in the slightest who gets hurt at the expense as long as he's making money. If his lithium chips are five cents cheaper, it doesn't matter how many people die in Bolivia or how many people uh, lose their homes That's in Bolivia. fascism itself. Yes. Read, no, I know. Read I, on but, my article called The Language of the No, I know. Okay. No, I know I know what you're saying, but what, what Fran's saying is it's there's a difference between the likes of Henry Ford, who will come out and say, I love Hitler, I want to start my own fascist mm. party in, in America, and the likes of Elon Musk, who comes out and does the same shit in terms of materially benefits from the exact same fascist actions, but he's not ideologically a fascist, he's just economically mm. and, and uh, he's a fascist because it's within his interests, yes, mm. and he does fascist actions, but... Mm. I, I believe there's a difference between somebody who will be willing to, to goose step down the street and say Heil Hitler and do a fucking uh, a salute and will actually defend the gassing of Jews over mm -hmm. one who just profits off those actions. Well, the people who are marching down the street are usually people with no economic interest in, in this that's, game that's either. Uh, they're mm -hmm. fighting that's... against their own interests a lot of the time, no. aren't they? It's not, it's, what? Yes, Ash, it's what? not Elon Musk who's running through the jungle mm -hmm. with a gun. Shooting. No, no, but hold on. Um, okay. Oh, boy, this is... Ah, this is a complicated topic, so I'll well, just this say... Is the, I think this is I'm the I'm saying that Elon Musk isn't a, 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 isn't a fascist that deserves a bullet. I'm saying he ideologically... He's not doing the coup because he sides with the Bolivian fascists. He's doing the coup right. because he wants the lithium. That's exactly. the simple thing. Exactly. It, it, it's a, purely an economic interest. Hold on, there's a little bit of a complication of this with regards to Graham, like the... The state, but generally. but that's. I was going to say that that's not to say that like if it wasn't in his economic interest, I mean, and the Nazis came to power, Elon would sure as fuck throw on a uniform and say, "All right, yeah, absolutely." White South African, yeah, right. Needs to Google his grandfather and yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think what 
I mean, what we're getting at is that they're not the goons that are on the street that you see doing Roman. They're not the goons that you see and do. This is what this is the point. This is the essence of this stay behind policy, isn't it? Who cares about the goons on the street? Like they're do like it's like that. They are just following the dominant hegemony. But that's what people need to know. People need to know that, right? Because the imperial the imperialist class is very happy for Nazis to be exposed, right? But they're not happy when you make that link between coup in Bolivia, Elon Musk, I mean, Elon is because he'll just admit it because he thinks it's a, a meme or whatever. But that link being admitted is, is what they don't like. Like, just take British history, for example. British people okay, don't learn the, the I, crimes I, I, of the imperialist, but they will learn yep. that it's distanced from the British Empire. The British Empire was teaching the world all this good and stuff, but really they were employing fascist goon squads to push drugs on countries, burn their crops down, etc., etc. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That, that's what uh, I'm no, getting no, at. No, now I totally understand what you're saying. You're right. There is a difference yeah. between people who create the hegemony and people who just follow, i.e., yes. manuf- uh, uh, have their consent and coercion. Manuf- the fa- th- th- there's a what people don't understand is with Graham, she's um, manufacturing consent uh, of consent. There's also a manufacturer of coercion, and so they come hand in hand. And um, yes, so the person marching on the street is not the same person who is also. Uh, uh, who is not um, who is manufacturing the coercive power of the state exactly but- right hold on and this is why you see them co-opt uh, the red brigades as well because they've got to they've got to push the, sh- the same shit on the other side as what they're funding and at the same time when when one of these fascist squads steps out of line they will then rein them in won't they I mean I've seen this happening later on in this story there are there are the the wrecking of the Italian left first, and then afterwards, the imperial class cleans up their goons on the right and, and makes sure that none of those fascists get too higher up in power because they might actually do what Mussolini did again. And then that's when uh, socialism happens again, isn't it? They're trying to maintain that centre line of, through history. Um yeah, yes, okay, you're right. They are not in the manufacture of consent and coercion, um, the person on the street. Um, but I don't like calling them fascists, I guess. Uh, like- I suppose it's the difference between the, the, the soldier on the ground, the US soldier on the ground who is shooting kids in Afghanistan because he's a f-ing idiot and th- he thinks that like, that makes him feel good. But he's infinitely less evil than the politician that launched that war. You know what I mean? Like there's 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 orders of magnitude of the of oh, the yeah, imperialism. Absolutely. Like the foot soldier, the the individual foot soldier is obviously is inherently evil, and they are the ones who are going to be fighting when the time comes that there is battles. But hold on. Of, but of, that individual foot soldier, once you change the state and um, you change the daddy, he will be a very loyal Soviet soldier, also. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because these people are, you know, that. That's where the manufacture of consent and coercion comes from. So he's not the problem. The one who's not the problem is the one you can't get to be a loyal Soviet soldier once you change the state. And that's the capitalist. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. So remember, like, like, so, um, so that's kind of like what people don't understand is that they're just like too focused on this one actor. And you don't realize whether he's the person who is just 
uh, like inside of a system where consent and coercion have been manufactured. Uh, yeah, like that's what actually well, maybe it's Chomsky's fault that people forget about the manufacture of coercion part. Commit hearings in 1975, Congressman Otis Pike asked DCI William Colby, do you have any people paid by CIA, CIA who were working for tele- television networks? Colby responded, this I think gets into the kind of details, Mr. Chairman, that I'd like to get into in an executive session. Once chambers cleared, Colby admitted that in 1975 specifically the CIA was using media cover for 11 agents many fewer than in the heyday of the cloak and pencil operations, but no amount of questioning would persuade him to talk about the publishers and the network chieftains who had cooperated at the top. Okay, now go to the Telegraph uh, article on the bottom that says U.S. and Envoy admits to role in Aldo Moro killing. So, what do you, the listener, think? Do you think this is proof enough that the CIA was involved? Sound off in the comments section in Substack. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Music for this show is done by Rectech. You can find him on SoundCloud and on Spotify. W-R-E-C-K-T-E-C-H. And thank you for listening to our show.